Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. We are, and we are just past the longest day of the year here in June. And we are ready to talk some football, some baseball, of course, all things Longhorns football season never ends here on the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown and joined, as always, by my Horns 24-7 colleague, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I'm doing good, Chip. How about you? I'm doing good. We're recording on Tuesday right after the Longhorns took care of business and stayed alive in the College World Series with an 8-4 win over Tennessee. And so that's uh, that's exciting. We'll get into that today on the Flagship Podcast, but we also have... Uh, some news as it regards the Texas Longhorns football program. It's, it's not good news. It's, it's two receivers on their way out. Um, Taylor, let's start with Jake Smith, the very talented, highly touted recruit wide receiver out of uh, Notre Dame prep in Scottsdale, who, has uh, 43, 40, 48 catches in two years and um, 568 yards, nine touchdowns. Surprisingly, Taylor, I looked this up. Those numbers are very similar to Jordan Shipley's first two years at Texas. Jordan Shipley had 43 catches for 646 yards and nine touchdowns. And... Uh, as of right now, Jake Smith in the transfer portal and possibly looking, uh, well, he's definitely looking. And I, I get the feeling this is a likely transfer because uh, in talking to people close to, to Jake Smith, his parents have never been on board with him going to Texas. I think that has weighed on him. I don't know what their deal is. Um, you know, the kid's been hurt. Like I said, he's got numbers. He's got more catches than Jordan Shipley through his first two years at Texas. You hope he finds happiness. You know, you're from California. The word on the West Coasters is it's tough to leave. You tend to not want to, you know, go very far. And sometimes you fall back into, I need to get back to the West Coast. But we'll see right now, Jake Smith. Um, at a position that's already pretty thin on experience. And, um, you know, this is a, this is a setback and now the Longhorns are, are going to need others to step up if this is indeed his, uh, his way out. Yeah. Chip, you know, one thing to like Texas, I just looked at the roster. They've already removed Jake Smith from the current active roster for the 2021 football season. You know, the thing with Jake Smith is going back into his freshman year. There were a lot of things that we heard behind the scenes of him not being very happy. And, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of people, honestly, in that 2019 signing class that felt that way because the former coaching staff with Tom Herman, you know, they were so tough in a more, you know, military type of fashion with the team that, you know, we had heard things that some of the, the 2019 signees were talking about, you know, if I wanted to go through boot camp, I would have went to the military, not coming to play with Texas football. And, you know, I think that 
Jake Smith kind of fell into that category. You're right. There's, it is, um, you know, as somebody who's from California, you know, I know he's from Arizona, but the West coast, I know more people from the West coast than I don't that have moved out of state and then gone back. And, um, a lot of, I mean, I, even in like my high school graduating class at the mission VA high school, there was a number of, of athletes that, went out of state, including D1 uh, players, and then came back within a year because they, they couldn't handle it and they transferred back to schools in California. Um, it's, it is a little surprising. I think that the one thing I would say, Chip, is you know Jake Smith really hasn't had too much of an opportunity to prove himself under Steve Sarkeesian and this new coaching staff. I mean, he didn't even make it through the first practice of spring of football spring, yeah. before he was sidelined with an injury. So that's all of the FaceTime and, you know, basically um, reps that he's gotten in front of this new coaching staff. Obviously, Andre Coleman's still the routine, returning position coach at wide receiver, but still, you know, I think that I wonder how much of this falls in line with he's constantly been injured. You know, he's kind of had an up and down journey since he got to Texas and now there may be concern that he may be further buried down the depth chart after not going through spring. Maybe he's just kind of like, I, I need a fresh start. I don't know. I mean, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I just don't know why you walk away from a guy like Steve Sarkeesian before you give it a chance because he's seen as one of the top play callers in, in all of football, having done it at the NFL level and the college level, and no one did it better last year than Steve Sarkeesian at Alabama. I mean, the fact that I know Devontae Smith's first half stats from the national championship game, 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns right off the top of my head says Steve Sarkeesian knows how to get his playmakers the ball. So, I mean, it's, it just feels incomplete. It doesn't feel like Jake Smith ever, like you said, got a chance to really dig in. I mean, he started six of the seven games he played in last year, but it was, you know, a hamstring. It was always something nagging with Jake Smith. And then, as you said, the foot injury to start spring football, he doesn't even get a chance to really acclimate himself to the offense. Again, you just hope the kid is happy. Um, we'll get into you know, his impact or who steps up and, and all of that. But you hope the kid is happy that he makes a choice ultimately that is going to, you know, benefit him in his college education and, and whatever else he's trying to seek because my goodness, there's opportunity at Texas right. and the guy he's opposite or probably most, um, compared to or most like is Jordan Whittington, who's also had injuries. So it's, there's plenty of opportunity here. And that's, that's, it's one thing if you got recruited over and guys are blowing by you, like Marvin Mims at OU comes in as a freshman, leads the team in receiving. If that had happened last year, that would be one thing, but Josh Moore was the leading receiver. He's a veteran guy. Jake Smith has the COVID red shirt. He's got, he's got essentially three years of eligibility and he just can't seem to, to find his groove at Texas. So you want him to be successful, but 
it, it feels incomplete. feels like it, it didn't quite get off the ground. And yet I'm sitting here telling you that he had uh, five more receptions through two years than Jordan Shipley had not, not the same number of yards, but the exact same number of touchdowns, nine through two seasons. And then Jordan Shipley goes on to become the all-time leading receiver at Texas uh, the following two years. So it just, uh, it just feels incomplete to me. So this is, um, this is a situation where in Steve Sarkeesian, Texas trusts, he'll find playmakers to, to give the ball to and, it doesn't look like Jake Smith is going to be a part of that. Yeah, no, you're right, Chip. It's, I mean, I wonder how much the addition of Xavier Worthy kind of also adds to it because Steve Sarkeesian, the one thing he has said is he's not just going to play guys that are the prototypical, you know, receiver positions. If, if he has three slot receiver or typical slot receivers who are the best receivers on the roster, all three are going to be on the field. They're not going to, you know, have people sit behind others just because they're not in a different role at receiver. So I, I do kind of, it is intriguing to me without him having spring football with them bringing in Xavier worthy, you know, what, what the role is going to be for Keelan Robinson, you know, that is a guy who could very much take, you know, some receptions away or possible catches away from Jake Smith after he's already kind of climbing his way back through the depth chart. I mean, we're, it's all speculation right now. And listen, until he actually signs at another place, he still could come back to Texas. And as Steve Sarkeesian has shown, he has allowed players to do that. Uh, Delia Dayaway was the one, you know, he didn't go through spring football, enter the transfer portal. Now he's back on the roster. So this, you know, as you mentioned, this is something that may seem incomplete. It's going to kind of probably feel that way until you know, one a decision is made one way or the other, whether he officially transfers to another school or, you know, maybe rides the transfer portal for a while. We'll see. Yeah. And then um, word comes down this week that uh, Keith Ron Lee, uh, the wide receiver out of Bryan, Texas, incoming freshman, um, it, it gets arrested on assault of a family member charges and Steve Sarkeesian has come out and said he's suspended indefinitely while they uh, let this legal process play out. But I'm hearing this is not going to end well for Keith Ron Lee at Texas, that this is probably the beginning of the end of that relationship. So this is uh, unfortunate, not that Keith Ron Lee was a guy who Everyone was expecting to make an immediate impact. If anything, I think there was a little bit of disappointment in the receiver class of, you know, 2021 uh, outside of Xavier Worthy. You know, you've got Jaden Alexis who went through the spring and we didn't hear much about uh, in terms of impact. Casey Kane um, is, is just now here in, in June. And then you've got Keith Ron Lee and, that, um, you know, he's got some speed, he's got some down the field ability, but he also apparently had character issues that he needs to get ironed out because we were hearing that he had been pretty combative just since he got on campus, um, with, with his own teammates and even some coaches. So that, uh, that's unfortunate. That was uh, a take under Tom Herman and, 
um, everyone's going to look back and say, wow, was this evaluation done completely before, um, you know, giving that scholarship to Keith Ron Lee. And again, you hope that the charges, um, you know, are somehow inaccurate or something, but it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like Texas is ready to move on from Keith Ron Lee. So another, um, another wide receiver, it appears is going to be heading out the door. Well, and, and that is kind of, you know, a little bit of a trend, sadly, you know, for Texas. I mean, I know that Malcolm Epps was lining up at tight end more so, but, you know, Texas lost him. Uh, Kennedy Lewis, he's no longer with the team anymore. Uh, Jake Smith, now Keith Ron Lee, you know, this is a, not the ideal situation. And you're right. I mean, Texas really did not sign very many in the 2021 class. You know, this is going to be that. I mean, like you said, Keith Ron Lee was probably not going to start for Texas or get meaningful snaps, especially this year. But I mean, I guess if he was more of a, an issue in the locker room chip, I feel like it's almost, if that's the case, you know, and all of this is accurate, it's almost probably a blessing in disguise that Texas does not have him on the roster and opens up another scholarship spot for Steve Sarkeesian and his staff to try to fill, whether it's at wide receiver or elsewhere that they feel is a, a need right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it could be a, a blessing in disguise for everybody. You hope that Keith Ron Lee can get his, his situation together. And, and if he's not ready to be a college student athlete or hasn't shown the maturity to, to handle it, then, then Texas dodges a, a bad situation potentially here. And, and so, you know, this is, again, it's just odd. You mentioned Epps leaving um, and, you know, receivers in a Steve Sarkeesian offense, they should be flocking for the opportunity to be in it, but you can't, you know, you can't get inside a person's head. We're not in there. We don't know what's going on. There's obviously things going on in people's personal lives. And, and so Steve Sarkeesian's going to have to make a, make some decisions and figure out if he has enough or if he goes into the portal looking for a receiver at this point. And I have reported in the insider that there've been some good early reviews on Xavier worthy, that he is as fast as advertised, that he is working hard. He senses opportunity. And, and so we'll see how quickly he can catch on to the, to the Steve Sarkeesian offense. Cause it's, there's a lot, there's a lot to this offense. I mean, just volume Sarkeesian likes to, to have everyone learn a ton of plays so that he's got options at all times. He's not one of these guys. that's like, we're going to do a few things and we're going to do them really well. No, he's like, we want to do a ton of things and do them all really well and make the defense have to account for all of it and practice all of it, which puts a strain on them and, and away we go. So it, it look, Jordan Whittington, here's your moment. This, I mean, to me, he's the guy, he's the lead dog in this receiver group um, you've got Joshua Moore and, and then we'll see who else emerges. But to me, Jordan Whittington, this is your breakout season at, at receiver. And um, he was the guy, in my opinion, uh, ahead of Jake Smith. And maybe that's part of the problem here too, for, for Jake Smith. So um, Taylor, we will uh, 
we'll move on to baseball because as we mentioned, when we came in, Texas is still alive in the college world series, thanks to an eight, four victory over Tennessee. And after a humiliating 21 strikeouts against um, against Mississippi state, which is a college world series record, 21 strikeouts in one game. That's not the kind of history you want to be making, but they bounced back. David Pierce said, we challenged them. We told them that was unacceptable. It's embarrassing, humiliating. Can you imagine the Augie rant that would have happened? I mean, go, go to Google and just look up Augie's rants on YouTube because they are epic. I I listened to one this morning, which is just the best. Um, but David Pierce, I was going to say the same thing. I, I, I feel like David Pierce may have needed to play that, that uh, oh, yeah. video for the locker room after that loss too, to give them the oh. extra. <laughs> if we were in a fight or a gang fight, which you bleeps know nothing about, <laughs> we would be dead. I mean, it's classic Augie, uh, but, or in a boxing match, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'd be in the hospital and you'd have wires, you know, in your jaw and your <laughs> eyes would be swollen shut and your gut would be messed up from 55 punch anyway. But David Pierce lights into him, tells him it's unacceptable, shorten up your swing. They did. And they were able to uh, c- connect for eight runs. Eric Kennedy uh, does it again. I mean, he had the, the, the RBI double walk off in, uh, the super regional. And then today the three run home run uh, that erases a two zero deficit as Tristan Stevens struggled after an eight pitch first inning, he lost control. Um, Tennessee puts a couple runs on the board. Eric Kennedy steps up two out hitting and just uh, delivers big time with that three run home run, then scores the final run of the game when he singles and steals second and takes third on a on a uh, error, and then comes home on a wild pitch. He got no help after getting on base. He did it all uh, with the help of the Tennessee pitching staff. But uh, just uh, good stuff. And then Silas Ardwan, the catcher, with the play of the game, the incredible double play, bases loaded, no outs. Tristan Stevens in the third inning is a, in a massive jam. And Cam Williams fields a ground ball at third, comes home, skips the ball. David Pierce said after the game, he goosed it. And it forced Ardwan to have to make this incredible backhanded grab and then dust the runner, well, make contact with the plate and then fire it to first base for the double play. Then they get a fly out to get out of the inning, no damage, despite bases loaded, no outs in the third inning. So Silas Ardwan and, and he also had um, some, some timely hitting that helped bring in a couple of runs. So, uh, and Tanner Witt, obviously the freshman reliever, he's the story out of the bullpen because he goes five and two thirds innings, Taylor of, I mean, he gave up a hit. The run was attributed to Tristan Stevens because he inherited men on second and third from Tristan Stevens, but he goes five and two thirds scoreless relief. He'd been up and down. He gave up runs late in the big 12 tournament. He gave up runs late in the super regional when South Florida was able to erase a three zero 
deficit and tie it three, three in the ninth inning. And then of course, Eric Kennedy came through with the, with the clutch hitting to win that game four three, but look, Tennessee was to me, the scariest team in this bracket because they're not only the number three overall seed, Texas is the number two overall seed, but Tennessee has a veteran team and leads the lead, you know, leads everyone in the college world series and home runs top five this year in home runs. They got five different guys in double digit home runs. I mean, they're an offensive minded team and for Tanner with the freshman to go out there and throw five and two thirds of scoreless relief, man, that's gotta be a huge uh, confidence boost for, for Tanner Witt. Uh, the son of former major leaguer Kevin Witt, but also for that team, because you're only as strong as your bullpen. And uh, David Pierce said, listen, if you're getting tired, I'll go get Nixon out of the bullpen. And, and Tanner Witt was like, oh, hell no, I'm finishing this thing. And, and he did, Taylor. Yeah, it was an impressive game, Chip. And it, it was exactly what Texas needed to do. You know, I mean, um, the offense really was not great against Mississippi State now that also led to be, or probably was an uh, because of the pitching, how good the pitching was a uh, Mississippi state, Texas game on Sunday. But, you know, one part of the game, I will say that I was kind of like, this is going to be a defining moment, whether it's going to be a momentum shift one way or the other was in the fourth inning when Texas was um, at that, you know, Douglas Hodo, he walks in and an assistant coach, a volunteer assistant coach at Tennessee kind of like hit his, down and threw his binder on the field and he got tossed because Tennessee had already been warned for arguing with the the umpires so that was a moment and even the broadcast team was talking about this where it's they were saying like this could be a momentum boost for Tennessee because a lot of times when coaches get tossed from the game that team will really kind of ride the wave of the adrenaline from that moment to make up for it but Texas really countered there. And that was huge. I mean, that was literally, I mean, that was one of the biggest momentum shifts in the game. It was tied 4-4 at the time. Texas has two on, um, you know, Silas Arjuan goes up to bat and then Douglas Hodo, you know, makes a play, gets an extra base, scores from first. It was a little bit of a questionable call, maybe if it was called one way or the other. I don't know if they could flip it either way. He was called safe at home, but that really was a huge, huge momentum shift for Texas in this game. Yeah, it was. And and that's the kind of stuff that we've seen from Texas all year when they would get into uh, a jam. They figured a way out and we saw it you know, throughout the year when like against TCU, uh, when they had to win that Friday game and, you know, guys stepped up and, um, and against Texas tech and, and on and on. And so, you know, you had to think that, okay, there was some, there was some paralysis by analysis going on in the Mississippi state game and it can't be that bad. And it, and it isn't. And now they're going to face the, the loser of Mississippi state and Virginia and Taylor, the deeper this thing goes, the more it favors Texas because the pitching gets used up. Your best pitchers are going to pitch games one and two of your appearance in the world series. And then it's who has the number three starter who still has bullpen. If that starter gets in trouble and look at Texas, Pete Hansen is sitting there ready to go. And Cole Quintanilla 
who's got the lowest ERA on the team has not even come out of the bullpen yet here in Omaha. So, and he's been lights out all year. He's, he throws heavy 98 mile an hour fastball. We saw in the, in the super regional. So that is fantastic news for Texas. And, and now we'll see. And if they get, if they get Mississippi state or, or Virginia, who got an incredible performance from their left-handed starter, Andy Abbott in, in, uh, in beating Tennessee in game one, I think Texas gets the check mark in terms of the pitching already. The Longhorns have the number one ERA in college baseball, but this is the depth of their, of their pitching that really should pay off here as we get deeper in the tournament. Yeah. You know, we talked about it prior to the Mississippi state game chip about how, you know, what was David Pierce going to do for the first game? If he was going to go with um, Ty Madden, um, or if he was going to go with a you know freshman and Pete Hansen since he was a lefty against that Mississippi State uh, lineup, you know the one thing that you had said um, was you don't want to really or we both said we don't really want to hold Pete Hansen to the third day. However, if you get to that third day, you're probably in a better situation if you hold him at that point and you can put him in and relieve for time at and that's exactly what Texas ended up doing. And this, you're right. This is such. If, if Texas can continue down the, you know, in the college world series, the odds are probably on their side because of the defense that they have and the pitching staff that they have, as you mentioned, I mean, it's the lowest ERA right now in college baseball. I mean, that that's not an accident, you know, and this is not a team that is in a tiny little conference that play nobody. I mean, this is a, a team that's faced some really solid offenses in college baseball this season still having the, the, you know, lowest ERA as a pitching staff, that's, that's going to win games for Texas and it's going to be interesting. But the, the one thing I am kind of intrigued to see is now Mississippi state has beaten Texas twice this season. And obviously the first time it was not a weekend series. It was just one game. So part of me kind of wonders if it ends up being Mississippi state, Texas, is Texas really going to allow Mississippi state to sweep them? I mean, right. We'll right. See what the mentality is of this locker room for sure. Right. And I'll take, I'll take Pete Hansen over the number three starter at Mississippi state or Virginia. And then you hope he's as on his, as he's been in these uh, in these playoffs in this postseason because he's been able to locate that slider on both sides of the plate against lefties and righties. And he's just been, I mean, he, he like we said last week, he could tell the batter what he's about to throw and still get him because he just had that much confidence and command in his ability to mix pitches, uh, you know, the slider, the fastball, the changeup. And, and so we'll see Thursday, seven o'clock Texas baseball back on the, uh, on the field at TD Ameritrade. And, uh, and of course we'll have all of that coverage for you. Uh, on next week's flagship podcast. Uh, but Taylor, are you ready for some love it or leave it? You know, uh, yes, Chip, I am. I'm first going to give a shout out to some of our listeners before we get to love it or leave it. Uh, oh, yeah. We went through some of the iTunes love reviews. Yes, absolutely. Um, the reviews over on our iTunes page, if you have not 
um, subscribe to the iTunes page, definitely go ahead and do that. And please give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, our bosses would love that, but I'm going to give a shout out to some of our listeners here before we get to love it or leave it. And uh, the first one I'm going to give a shout out to is L Chewy. And he goes, impressed with the interviews and the insight from all the staff. I always look forward to the podcast. Keep up the good work. So awesome. thank you, awesome. L Chewy. Thank Appreciate you. that. Thank you, L Chewy. Um, another one here is from Manny Fresh 130. He says the flagship podcast is great. Chip and Taylor provide incredible insight and perspective on all things burnt orange. So thanks, Manny. Appreciate that. Thank you, Manny. Thank you. Thank Chip, you. Chip, you Tell got your a friends little, and enemies. You got a little called out on this one here. So I'm oh. going to, I'm going to give it to you a little Shocker. bit here. So, <laughs> from LTS junior, he goes, love the podcast, but I have to call chip out on one of the latest podcasts. Kevin Hart didn't play tiny dog. He played a rabbit who called his BFF tiny dog in the secret life of pets. Oh so, man. I messed that up. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's right. He was a bunny rabbit. Man, that's terrible. <laughs> Thanks for the, the comment, LTS Jr. But we appreciate all of our listeners and we will be right back for our listeners. Um, after a very short break, we will come back with some love it or leave it. We're going to get into some more football talk since football never ends here on the flagship podcast. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it? I'm ready. Fire, fire away. Fire one ready. All right. My first one for you is love it or leave it. If receiver Jake Smith ends up transferring, this is a significant blow to the Texas offense. I'm going to, I'm going to leave this because I don't know. I mean, I, I mentioned that he's got numbers very similar to the first two seasons of Jordan Shipley at Texas, but I just don't know if he's on that same trajectory or not. I, and I'm not trying to put Jake Smith down because, you know, he did have some drops. He had some critical drops that I can vividly remember against TCU in his first two seasons. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't remember those kind of drops from Jordan Shipley. Now I'm not trying to, again, not trying to dismiss uh, Jake Smith here because he's talented. He's talented. He's he's you're not the Gatorade National Offensive Player of the Year in 2018 um, with all the numbers that he put up without being a talented player. But I'm going to leave this because I don't know if it's a significant blow to the offense. I mean, if if Jordan Whittington and Josh Moore and, you know, Troy O'Meary are the the best three receivers, then. It's, it's, I don't know that it's a huge blow to the offense. Now, depth wise, yes, it's a blow. It's definitely a blow because he's got 40, you know, he's got 43 catches, 48 catches. I keep, Chipley had 43 catches through two years. You know, he had 48 catches. That's experience. That's valuable experience in, at a high level of college football. So from a depth standpoint, it's a blow, but to the offense in, in general, overall, I'm going to leave that because I just don't know. Taylor, how about you? I have to agree with you on all accounts. I really, you know, from a depth, pers depth perspective, yes, it definitely is a blow because 
there already is a questionable amount of depth at wide receiver right now. But at the same time, Jake Smith has really not been a reliable go-to option at receiver because of his injuries. And that's unfortunate. You know, I, I feel bad even saying that because I'm not trying to knock the kid in any way. This is just the, the fact of the matter. You know, he's just not. And he did. I, I mentioned the drops. He did have a huge touchdown catch against Oklahoma State in their comeback win in overtime in Stillwater last year. I mean, he made some plays. I don't want to make it out like he didn't come through at, at crunch time every time he did he did yeah yeah and so but I mean he just has never been that reliable type of go-to guy he's also you know I mean I just think I think he, he has the talent to be that guy but without showing it it's really hard for me to even compare him and Jordan Shipley in the same sentence even if their numbers are similar from their first two seasons because Jordan Shipley was the you know, the program's all-time leading receiver. And I just, there's nothing I've seen from Jake Smith that would make me think that is where he is headed because of his inability to really be a consistent go-to option for the group. So for all of that, I think you have to leave it because if anything, you know, Texas, they, there's plenty of, there's plenty of players in the transfer portal. There is no shortage of options available. And if they are opening up a scholarship and even if it's at a position that they didn't necessarily want to lose depth at, there are so many players currently in the transfer portal. So I think that you, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and his staff have done really well in the transfer portal in a short period of time since they've been here. So I think you just have to kind of counter losses, but realize that they have the possible, the possibility to potentially add somebody who could be more of a consistent option for the wide receiver group, both from a playmaking standpoint and from a depth perspective too. Yeah. And this, this is an indictment of UT's recruiting at receiver, honestly, because you mentioned Kennedy Lewis and, um, you know, transferring out of the program, but he had no impact. We're still waiting to see what kind of impact Marcus Washington can have. Alvante Woodard hasn't really made any kind of statement, has had some opportunities. Maybe, you know, guys progress at different times. The light bulb goes on at different times. But at other schools like Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, they've got so many receivers, so many talented receivers that if a guy like Jake Smith moved on, it would be like next man up at Texas. It's like, okay, who else has got game experience? I mean, it's just, it's kind of astounding. And I get the Brennan Eagles left early, but it but he uh, wasn't much of an impact maker either. I right, mean, right. He, he, the guys they've lost, whether to the portal or to, you know, early um, entry into the NFL draft, they really haven't been guys that were, huge difference makers. The only one would be Lil Jordan Humphrey, but he had one season like that. And then right, and, and Devin Duvernay, Devin. who was sitting on the bench the year before yeah. he catches a hundred balls and, yeah. and becomes a third round pick of the Baltimore Ravens. So it's, it's, it's just weird because the one position or two positions to me that Texas produces a, just a cornucopia of talent is quarterback and receiver because this is the seven on seven capital of the world. You know, kids are playing seven on seven in Texas in middle school and coaches get a chance to evaluate these guys and that truly identify the talent. 
and that Texas has not just had receivers lined up one after the other who could make a huge impact to me is, is stunning, but all right, we'll move on or maybe we won't. I don't know, Taylor. Yeah. Where, where are we going? Where are we going with uh, love it or leave it? Number two. All right. So this is going to be another Jake Smith uh, topic for you, Chip. If Jake Smith ends up leaving the receiver who benefits most in terms of playing time is Xavier worthy. Love it or leave it. Love it. Yeah, or leave I, it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think Texas fans should hope that yes, the answer is yes. I'm going to love this. Okay. I have nothing to base this on other than the comments I'm hearing from guys running around in shorts, which means nothing until we see what they can do when they got a 200 pound safety coming down on them and trying to knock their head off. Uh, can you catch over the middle? Can, are you catching run? What are you? But I I'm going to go with this for right now. And, and I wouldn't care if it opens the door for Marcus Washington or Calvante Dixon, but I do think it helps Xavier worthy move up in, in line at practice. That means more reps. So I'm going to love this for right now. Maybe it's because I kind of hope that this I've said, I, I hope Xavier worthy just gives me a Reggie Hemphill maps first year at Texas Maybe I'm just stuck on that and trying to will it into manifest it into happening, Taylor. But I'm going to I'm going to love this. What the hell? How about you? (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm going to also agree with you. I'm going to love this. And, you know, Texas needs speed at the position. That has been an issue that has plagued them for the last several years. Honestly, I mean, go back to 2018 when Deshaun Jameson had to play wide receiver because Texas did not have any speed or, you know, really dynamic type of athleticism at that position. So he, his development has been stunted because of how lack or the lack of wide receiver talent that Texas has. So I think that, you know, Texas has to get that type of speed, especially in the big 12, in my opinion, to keep up with big 12 offenses Xavier Worthy offers that speed. Steve Sarkeesian has shown what he can do with guys with elite speed um, at wide receiver. So I, I definitely have to agree with you. I think that this definitely benefits Xavier Worthy most up to this point right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. How about right. love it or leave it? Numero trace. So this is my final one. We're going to shift back to baseball here. If you've been to the College World Series 37 times, which is the most in College World Series history, it's forgivable that UT now holds the record for most strikeouts in a game, 21, suffered against Mississippi State in game one. Love it or leave it. I mean, look, it's great that you have that 37 appearances. That's always what people are going to talk about first and foremost, but you don't want to have the most strikeouts in a game 21. Come on. You're better than that. You're one of the top eight teams in college baseball. I don't care if Roger Clements is out there on the mound throwing, you know, four seamers all day long. You can't strike out 21 times. I'm going to leave this Taylor that, uh, but Hey, kudos to David Pierce and the Longhorns for, shortening those swings and figuring it out against Tennessee because Tennessee was the number three overall seed higher than Mississippi state and Texas took care of business against Tennessee. So 
but I'm leaving that. How about you? Yeah. I mean, the most appearances is obviously a huge thing for a program to tout, but that doesn't really, you know, you still never want to be on this side of history when it comes to records, especially at the highest level of the sport. I will say, think how long the college world series has been around and now you hold the record for most strikeouts in a game. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be on that side of history. And so I would say that I'm going to leave it that it's forgivable just because of their 37 appearances. However, if the question is, is it forgivable if Texas goes on to win the College World Series this year? Sure, that's forgivable. Then you okay. can say, be like, like a scoreboard, we had one bad game and we bounced back. So that hey. would be forgivable, forgivable program history now. <laughs> they had 18 strikeouts in a win over OU at the Big 12 tournament. So this team has the ability to sort of etch a sketch their, their uh, domes and forget all this uh, strikeout misery and somehow come through. So um, I like that. That's a good take on it, Taylor. Look, if they bounce back and win this thing, no one's going to be talking about that or they will. They'll just say, and they overcame that. They figured yeah, it out. Exactly. <laughs> They'll be on the right side of history, whether they're talking about that, you know, the 21 strikeouts or winning, they'll still be fine. So in a game of failure, they, <laughs> they figured out how to overcome the failure. Um, I, th- I did think it was funny that, man, the umpires in the first two Texas games, the pitchers really couldn't, they, they had no idea where the outside of the zone was. I mean, it just seemed to keep moving in both games for Texas to the point where uh, Troy Tulowitzki, the hitting coach for Texas, got warned for arguing balls and strikes um, in the Tennessee game. So it's, yeah, it uh, wasn't just like against Texas either. Like it, they right. they were consistently moving the strike zone right. throughout, you know, both of those two games too. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. So it uh, you, you've had to really, you know, the pitchers have had to, really stay connected because I I thought Stevens really struggled. I thought he threw a couple of perfect pitches on the outside corner of the zone and didn't get the call. And then he started to press because he didn't know where that was, you know, where, what, when are you going to give me the strike? I'm painting the black here and you're, you're calling it a ball. And I think it messed him up a little bit, but you know, that's just me. All right, Taylor, we will have much more. Um, and don't forget to check out the, the uh, podcast, the flagship podcast interview with Ty Harrington. We've been checking in with Ty, the Texas X, the former Texas state baseball coach. And he told you how Texas was going to bounce back after the loss to Mississippi state. So check that out before Thursday's game. That's great pregame uh, for, for you baseball seam heads out there and always check out the, the flagship podcast interview and, and, uh, and just keep listening to us over and over again. I mean, you can listen to this podcast. It's great for just background noise and working at home or falling asleep at night, you know? Um, all right. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks everybody for listening to the flagship podcast until next time. Stay safe and keep the faith. <laughs>